Venerable Master Miao Lian's Dharma Teachings Celebrate the Buddha's birthday and retrospect learning Buddhism transforms the ordinary to the sagely. Amitabha has innumerable meanings. Amitabha Buddha is the patriarch of the Western Pure Land of Ultimate Bliss and Shakyamuni Buddha is the patriarch of Buddhism in the Saha world. The name Amitabha Buddha is Sanskrit. What does it mean when it is translated into English? There are in fact many meanings. In translation, we normally do not translate any term that has multiple meanings. Amitabha Buddha's lifespan is limitless. His blessings and wisdom are limitless. His compassion is limitless. His nation is boundless. And even the number of sentient beings from all the ten directions who are reborn in his country is limitless. How is one going to translate the innumerable meaning of the innumerable? That is why we keep the original phonetic sound of Sanskrit and employ transliteration in such cases. Sanskrit is the language used in ancient India. Why is the language known as Sanskrit? This goes back to the beginning of time, at which point human beings did not yet exist in this world. They came to this world from the light sound heaven, which is among the Brahma Loka, 18 heavens of the form realm. The word Brahma means purity. India is subsequently known as Brahman land, and this language they use came to be known as Sanskrit, or the language of Brahma. In translating Buddhist scriptures, aside from terms with multiple meanings, we also do not translate venerated terms. Take for example the word prajna. If we had to translate this term, it could be referred to as wisdom. However, the average person may also have wisdom. Wouldn't that then cause confusion? After all, how can a person's wisdom possibly compare with that of the Buddha's? Let's look at wisdom and intelligence. Most people say that intelligence is wisdom and wisdom is intelligence. In fact, there is some subtle difference. Wisdom is the ability to contemplate every event and idea correctly and acting with righteousness. When it comes to intelligence, people often say that an intelligent person is sometimes harmed by one's own intelligence especially if that intelligence is in the form of trivial cleverness. One who only focuses on applying his or her trivial tricks and taking advantage of others could not walk a proper path in life, even if he or she has the appearance of an intelligent person. Look at those conniving government officials throughout history. They usually hold senior positions, are often very close to the emperors, and of course very clever. The ideas they conjure up are often wicked. They harm the country and the people, especially those who are loyal and righteous. That is their intelligence. Use your intelligence correctly. Focus on the issues, not the individuals. This in Buddha Dharma is called accord with the Dharma and not the individual. The principle of following the Dharma means that if what is said by a junior monastic monk is right, then we have to follow it. When something, even if said by the Venerable Master Miao Lian, is not in accordance with true Buddhist principles, then we should not follow it. This is what is called follow the Dharma, not the individual. Another category of terms that we do not translate are terms that accord with 
already established precedents, such as the term Anuttara Samyak Sambodhi, which means the supreme, right, and perfect enlightenment. Because generations of translators since the Eastern Han Dynasty have been using its transliteration, we adhere to this established method, recognizing our original pure mind. Today we gather in prayer for Amitabha Buddha's holy birthday, the day Amitabha Buddha attained Buddhahood. We normally call the day when one is born just the birthday, not the holy birthday, because we are merely average beings. We all know that Buddha Dharma mentions that there is no difference between the mind, the Buddha, and sentient beings. The mind is the Buddha, and the Buddha is the mind. We all have our minds, and that mind is the same as that of the Buddhas. They are equal. Of course, this mind refers to the pure mind, not the physical mind, which loses its function when we pass away. This pure mind is neither arising nor ceasing. Now let me briefly explain. Our physical body can come into formation and destruction. It is like the house in which we live. There is a time when the house is worn out, perhaps burnt down, collapsed in an earthquake, washed away in flooding, or blown away by strong wind. When the house is destroyed, we are still around. It is just like that. When our physical body dies, our pure mind remains. It is just a metaphor from which we can only take the central meaning. You cannot extend the metaphor into other questions, such as, when a house collapses, people inside also would die. Do not pursue these types of questions. This is something that we should understand. It is also like when we praise the appearance of the Buddha. The Buddha's facial appearance is as perfect as a full moon. This refers to perfection and brightness. You cannot argue that how could the Buddha's facial appearance be like the moon. You cannot pursue questions like that. There are inhabitants in our house. If not, then it is an empty house. An empty house has no inhabitants. In other words, we are the soul of the house. We humans have a heart, which like humans will die, subject to formation and destruction. Is it the end when one dies? Apart from the physical heart, we humans also have a soul. This is the common description, but the proper word should be spirit. According to the Buddha Dharma, our human nature is Buddha nature, and the Buddha nature is human nature. Although we are humans, we have the Buddha nature, which is the non-arising and non-ceasing pure mind. When you cultivate good deeds, you will receive good rewards and evil deeds will earn you retribution. There are good and bad in the six planes of existence. What about beyond the secular world then? Buddha Dharma transcends the secular world and is beyond the six planes and the triple realm. There is only pure goodness and no evil. The pure mind is the mind of wisdom and there is no defilement. It symbolizes brightness and would only establish itself on virtue it would not commit to indecencies. Celebrate the Buddha's holy birthday and retrospect. We all have the pure mind. If so, how come we cannot cultivate in accordance with the Buddha Dharma and continue to reincarnate within the six planes of existence? 
It is because our mind is covered by defilements. What kind of defilements? The five desires. It is like the dust on glasses, or the glasses in our kitchen, which are not only covered by dust, but also oily fumes. To clean them requires washing and scrubbing. A tough job. When covered by defilements, there will be no wisdom and brightness. In darkness, one often commits evil deeds rather than good ones. And consequently, we construct the sphere of secular beings. Since it is said that our nature is the same as that of the Buddhas, how come then he has attained at Buddhahood and we are still sentient beings suffering from vexations? This is a serious question. We have to understand that our mind is the same as that of the Buddhas. Why has the Buddha attained Buddhahood? He attained Buddhahood from the same sentient mind as ours. Then why do we remain sentient beings? It is because we have lost our Buddha mind. How can the result be so different when the nature of the mind is the same? We must feel shame in retrospect. Do not pull the wool over your eyes and continue creating bad karma and continue to suffer. We have to turn back and do as the Buddha taught. Cultivate in accordance with Buddha Dharma and thus realize the fruit of Buddhahood. Then not only do we liberate ourselves, but we can also help save infinite sentient beings. We are here today to celebrate the holy birthday of Amitabha Buddha. This is a time for us to retrospect and think. Why don't we become Amitabha Buddha? We too have unlimited light and unlimited life. And our compassion is unlimited as well. As long as you have compassion, you will be able to transcend unlimited number of sentient beings. Conversely, one without compassion will harm others, and the number of people that one will harm is also unlimited. We have to do good deeds. This is non-negotiable. We must not create any bad karma, must not be blind and deluded, but awaken. Of course, all of us have awakened, otherwise why would you have come to Lingyan Mountain Temple? Then I hope all of you will cultivate with this awakened mind. If sentient beings have the same mind as that of the Buddhas, why then do we commit all those extremely polarized good and evil deeds? We then have to ask, all of us eat, how is it that the same food nurtures different spirits? Why do some perform countless good deeds to benefit others and accumulate much virtuous merits, while others do harm to others and to the country? The logic lies herein. We eat the same food, food that farmers have put in great efforts to provide for us. We should thus turn out the same virtuous characters. If, after consuming these hard-earned foods, we do not act with virtue, but instead commit evil acts, isn't that sad and shameful? It is a matter of course that when we consume food for the sustenance of life, we make ourselves worthwhile by doing good deeds. Otherwise, we are undeserving of the food. Similarly, we have this pure mind, so we should perform pure acts. If we commit defiled acts, we are letting our pure mind down. The pure mind is the real us. The physical body that is born of our parents is false. But we treat it as real. If it were real, it wouldn't die. If it were real, it would follow your orders. But it doesn't. 
You ask your body to do virtuous deeds, but instead it commits evil deeds. You know that you should do good deeds and not evil ones, but your body simply cannot do it. How confused are we sentient beings? Learning Buddhism transforms the ordinary to the sagely. We have the Buddha nature, yet carved ourselves into sentient beings. It is just like taking the best of materials, such as red sandalwood, to carve a tiger or a venomous snake instead of carving a Buddha's statue. This is the wrong application. From now on, we have to diligently cultivate Buddha Dharma and transform ourselves from the mundane into the sagely. We are already cultivating and have taken the initial steps. Let us keep going without retreating. We not only must not retreat, but also must not stop. It is like a boat sailing against the current. If it does not move ahead, it will drift back. I hope that you don't slack off as soon as this seven-day chanting retreat is over. Coming here is to recharge your battery. When you go back, you have to shine light upon the world. You come here to learn Buddha Dharma, and the Buddha is of great compassion. So when you go back, you must treat every being with compassion. If you do, people will treat you likewise, and you will feel happy too. If you are not compassionate, what you get in return will also be wicked. For your own sake, you should act to benefit others. After all, harming others would end up harming yourself. Therefore, we have to unconditionally act like what a human should be, where our hands are to serve others and our legs to run their errands. We also should unconditionally serve the society and benefit the public. To learn Buddhism is to walk the Bodhisattva's way. If you carve out from a fine piece of wood a Buddha's statue, innumerable people will pay homage to the Buddha. If you carve out a tiger or a poisonous snake, people will become scared and stay away. So why don't we do the virtuous? Since we are capable, then we surely should. We have the Buddha nature and are capable of trekking the Bodhisattva's path and eventually attaining Buddhahood. But we insist on wandering through the six planes of existence and doing the mundane things of this secular world. When you do good deeds, it is of course good, but you are still trapped within the six planes. There is no peace within the triple realm. It is like being inside a burning house. Why don't you want to get out? If you are unaware of the Buddha Dharma, then I can't say anything. But you have come upon Buddhism and have awakened. Having awakened, you should contemplate how to get out of the Triple Realm. Venerable Master, we do want to transcend the Triple Realm. That's why we came to attend the seven-day chanting retreat. So we can single-mindedly chant the Buddha's name and seek rebirth in the Western Pure Land of Ultimate Bliss. Yes, I am very happy to see you come. But what would you do when you go home? Sure, you can also cultivate at home, but will you be as diligent and cultivate with the same dedication as when you are here at Ling Yen Mountain Temple? If you do, then there really is no difference whether you practice as a lay or a monastic disciple. But is this the case? It is impossible. Otherwise, why bother coming to attend the seven-day chanting retreat at Ling Yen Mountain Temple? Couldn't you do the same at home? Look to the Buddha and fight to attain Buddhahood. The suttas tell us that it has been ten kalpas since Amitabha Buddha attained Buddhahood. 
Before then, he was a monk. Bhikshu Dharma Treasury. Where did he come from? He was one of the god kings in the era of the Lokasvara Buddha, the one referred to in the Sutra of Infinite Life. But it does not mention which god king. I often think, which god king was he? I recently discovered from another translated version of the Sutra his name. King World Benevolence. Bhikshu Dharma Treasury was known as King World Benevolence before he became a monk. He gave up his throne and renounced the secular life, cultivated in accordance with the Bodhisattva's way, created the Western Pure Land of ultimate bliss, and continued to this day transcending sentient beings. Our Shakyamuni Buddha, too, would have become a god-king had he not become a monk. He left the home life before he became a god-king, whereas Amitabha Buddha was a god-king before he entered the monastic life and became a monk. It is just like Emperor Shunji of the Qing dynasty. He also became a monk. Emperor Shunji was the founder of the Qing dynasty and was not driven off the throne. There were many emperors and senior government officials who turned to Buddhism when they were desperate. When they were at the peak of their powers, they were trapped by fame and fortune and would never think of Buddhism. Even had I gone and persuaded them to learn Buddhism, they would have rejected. You go and tell them to practice Buddhism when they are enjoying life? Forget it. So suffering is not bad after all. All Buddhas regard suffering as their teacher. When Emperor Shunji took the monastic life, he said, For 18 years, I was not free, battling endlessly back and forth. I am supposed to be a monk. Why did I end up inside an imperial home? He felt that he shouldn't be a king, and so he went to the Baohua Monastery in Nanjing, China, to become a monk. Look at these great kings who gave up even their thrones. Somehow, we simply cannot let go of everything. Do you think you are more noble than any of them? What a pity. How can one be in such a pitiful state and yet know not of fighting back? It is not beyond our means. Buddha nature is equal and can be fought for. Show our colors and look to the Buddha. I said that I want to challenge Guanyin Bodhisattva. Guanyin Bodhisattva has 32 manifestations of appearance. I want to have that too. Guanyin Bodhisattva has innumerable transformations. I want to be able to do that too. This is a battle of the nobles, not of the petty people. Why don't we have this type of fighting? I wish every one of you to bring forth the Bodhi resolve to learn the Buddha's way and soon enough attain Buddhahood.